It just goes to show you that big things happen in small packages. The impact that the gospel has, even on these wee, tiny little kids, is more than you could ever imagine. So I just had a Sunday fun story real quick. When we got home Friday night, the night that VBS ended, um, you know, it's an hour and a half past Ella's bedtime. <laughs> she did that every week, every night of the week, like a trooper. But she comes home and it was time for her bath, and the music isn't even playing, and she's doing all the hand motions from the songs, and we're doing the, you know, the next morning and everything. She's, all of this stuff is just sinking in with these little kids. Big things happen even when you can't see it. So grace, mercy, and peace be yours from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. King Knut ruled over Denmark, Norway, and England over a thousand years ago. A wise ruler, he worked hard to make the lives of his subjects better. Typical of kings, he was surrounded by those who wanted to gain influence with him, to bend his ear, to get on his good side. And according to an old story about King Canute, he grew tired of their continual flattery and determined to put an end to it. He ordered that his throne should be carried out to the seashore, and he gathered all his courtiers around him there. So by the sea, the king commanded the tide not to come in. Yet soon the waters were lapping around his legs as the tide did not heed him. According to one historian's account, King Canute rose up from his throne and said, Let all men know how empty and worthless is the power of kings. For there is none worthy of the name but he whom heaven, earth, and sea obey by eternal laws. Knut, whose grandfather, King Harold Bluetooth, oversaw the Danish Viking conversion to Christianity, knew that real power wasn't even visible to the eye. He had come to learn that real power was beyond our comprehension, and it belonged only to God, the one true God. True power wasn't in the rumblings of Thor or the worldly wisdom of Odin, but hidden in the crucified one, Jesus Christ. Knut knew that there was more than meets the eye. Power doesn't only exist in lavish displays of power, it's often hidden in weakness and meekness. In our text for today, Jesus speaks of something so small that if you wanted to see it from where I am here, you couldn't, at least from the distance from the pulpit to your seats. I can hold it right up here for you, right in front of you, give you plenty of time to take a long, good look at it, and you'd still never see it. Too tiny. You know what I'm thinking of? A mustard seed. The reason I brought it up is because our Lord Jesus Christ spoke some really strange words about such a little tiny thing. He said, the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed. It doesn't really seem to make sense at first, does it? A mustard seed, a little tiny, insignificant, unimpressive thing, quite obviously incapable of doing anything great, that is what the kingdom of God is like? It seems difficult to reconcile the words of our Savior with such a little tiny seed. But that's what Jesus teaches in our reading for today. It's important to begin by understanding that the kingdom of God to which Jesus referred, is really a reference to himself and his saving work. 
It might even be better translated as the kingly, heavenly reign of God. It's Jesus and God's saving activity on earth and in human history, especially in the person and work of Christ. Scripture tells us that when Jesus sat with people, taught them, healed them, he then proclaimed, the kingdom of God is in the midst of you, or the kingdom of God is at hand. But just as the puny, tiny mustard seed can't be seen from more than five feet away, Jesus himself often appeared insignificant, unimpressive, incapable of doing anything great. At first glance, this so-called kingdom didn't seem like much of a kingdom at all. Instead of armies, he had 12 ordinary-looking fellows following him around, many of whom probably smelled like fish. He had 12 ordinary fishermen and various other occupational guys following him around. His kingdom didn't even include his own hometown of Nazareth. People of Nazareth rejected him. And this kingdom, so-called kingdom, included the least desirable people there were. Prostitutes, sinners, tax collectors. You might as well just invite anybody into this kingdom, and he did. Some kingdom this was. Insignificant, unimpressive, and by all appearances, it seemed incapable of doing anything great. Even more unimpressive did it seem when its king was hauled off, hung up, and dragged down. Jesus, it appeared, was no match for a few lightly armed temple guards to say nothing of the mighty Romans. He seemed to fall tongue-tied under pressure, have no answer to his accusers, have no eloquent final words of inspiration to his followers. The word by which the universe was created had absolutely nothing to say. Hanging on a cross, he looked helpless, like some ordinary criminal or slave. The one who hung the stars in the sky hung dead like a criminal. And when he was dead, well, obviously nothing was going to come of that. Of course, Jesus knew all this beforehand. That was exactly his point when he spoke of the mustard seed. He said, what can we compare with the kingdom of God? What parable will we use? It's like a grain of mustard seed, which when sown on the ground is the smallest of all the seeds on the earth. Yet when it is grown, sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants. It puts out numerous branches so that birds of the air can make nests in its shade. Though that seed was tiny, from it would grow the largest plant in the garden. From something so insignificant, unimpressive, seemingly incapable of doing anything great, would come a plant so wonderful that living creatures could find shelter and refuge and shade in it. And when it comes to the kingdom of God, Christians would do well to remember and believe this lesson because not much has changed even today. For the kingdom of God is here among us. You know, my original title for this sermon was God Loves Your Boring, Unimpressive Church. But we're not boring or unimpressive. But even if we were, God would love it anyway. God is among us. The kingdom of God is, as Jesus says, at hand. 
He is as active among us here today as he was when he healed the paralytic man and forgave his sin. He is just as active among us today as when he gave blind Bartimaeus his sight. He is as active today as when he fed the 5,000 plus on that hillside. For Jesus comes to us through his means of grace, through his word and his sacraments to forgive, renew, and give life. We are called to faith by his gospel. He washes away our sin forever in baptism. He feeds us in his holy supper for our salvation. The kingdom of God, the kingly reign of God here and now, is reigning in truth and grace through the ministry of his church. Yet to the naked eye, this kingdom of God doesn't really look like much at all. Bread is just bread. Wine is just wine. Water is water. Spoken words of absolution are nothing more than words. And the only thing that sermons heal, according to those on the outside world, the only thing sermons heal is insomnia. It's like a man one day stood up in the middle of the sermon and just walked down the aisle walked all the way out. His wife was just so embarrassed. On the way out, he asked her husband, she was shaking hands, said, the pastor, I hope I didn't say something to offend him. And she said, oh no, Frank has been sleepwalking since he was a kid. <laughs> you know, the things that we do here are probably never going to make the Sunday paper. You can go through the whole Sunday paper, as big as it is, and find nothing that happens here has been deemed worthy to print, not even in the life section. Breaking news, local church talks about Jesus, eats bread, drinks wine, sings songs, more to follow. <laughs> not going to see it. Perhaps what's even worse is that when viewed by Christians at times, the church, the kingdom of God seems so insignificant, unimpressive, incapable of doing anything great. We hear the list of concerns all the time. My neighbors just don't seem interested in church anymore, so I stopped inviting them. My finances are still hurting, and our loved ones are still sick, no matter how hard I pray. Our witness seems to fail. Nobody wants to hear what we have to say. More than that, my child's behavior doesn't seem to improve, even though I bring him to church one hour a week. <laughs> it's at these times Christians may lose faith and be tempted to dress the good news up Make it more appealing. Or water it down to make it more palatable. Even to censor the cross to make it less offensive. It's a sad, sad day when Christians dress up the gospel with a gimmick. Pastor Pierce used to always remark that you keep people how you got them. If you get people in the door using a gimmick, they will probably only stay as long as the gimmicks keep coming. If they come and stay and hear the gospel, they will stay because of the gospel. What happens when believing Christians lose heart is that the kingdom presented here just looks like an insignificant mustard seed. When that is all that we can see, we're in trouble. So once more, let's call to mind and to heart the words of our Savior Jesus. The kingdom merely appears insignificant, unimpressive, incapable of doing anything great. Jesus said that while the mustard seed is the smallest of the seeds, when it's planted, it grows into the largest plant in the garden. 
perhaps as high as an actual mustard plant, as high as 10 feet, with such broad branches that birds can perch in its shade. Though human wisdom and logic, when left to themselves, can never believe it, the eyes of faith alone can hold it aright. In faith, we see things as they truly are. Don't be deceived by what your eyes see. Every Sunday morning, the seeds of the gospel of Jesus Christ are sown. People hear. Some people in faith repent. And in that very moment, Scripture says, the host of heavenly angels is rejoicing. A thrill goes out throughout heaven at something that took place right here among us at 1664 Central. Here, the Almighty and Merciful Creator speaks to us by His Word, and we speak to Him in our prayers in the name of His Son, who made peace for us with the Father through His blood on that cross. And He listens. We praise the strong name of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in, in song, and together we confess as one body in Christ, we boldly confess the words of these ancient creeds clearly stating who God is and what he's done. And oh yes, don't you ever forget, sins are forgiven. And to the outside world, that doesn't really look like a big deal. So what? You made a mistake, get over it, move on. But sin is so much bigger than action. It's this disease that we're born with. The forgiveness of sins happens right here wherever God is at work through his word and sacraments. Forgiveness is pronounced to us in absolution, received by us in the supper of Christ's body and blood. Guilt is replaced by peace. Death is replaced by life. Luther remarked in our small catechism, wherever there is the forgiveness of sins, there is life and salvation also. What is the one thing that keeps you from living forever? Sin. Forgiveness of sins is a lot bigger than it looks like to the outside world. To miss this kingdom of God through the ministry of the church would be like looking into the manger and seeing only some poor, unfortunate baby. To pass by the word and the sacraments as some superstition or ritual only would be like looking to the cross and seeing the crucifixion of Jesus as only the execution of some other religious idiot. In this life, in this world, the kingdom of God will appear to be just like a mustard seed, insignificant, irrelevant, incapable of doing great things. But as we know, that baby in the manger just wasn't some little poor kid, and the man on the cross was not some religious kook. We know and rejoice that the good news of Jesus is the power of God unto salvation for all who believe and is hidden in, with, and under common, everyday, earthly things. <laughs> all the power of God, the power of life itself comes to us hidden in wheat, wine, water, words. This is a ministry that Jesus started on the other side of the world. A seed that was planted that now provides grace and refuge and peace across the world today and even for you yourself. And like those birds that Jesus talked about, seeking shelter in the shade of a mustard plant, we live by faith within the shelter of this kingdom of grace. 
where Christ's righteousness, not our own, covers all of our sin. And then one day when our Lord returns, we and all the world, unbeliever and believer alike, will see just how great the kingdom of a mustard seed truly is. Until that day, we're going to have to be content living lives of hidden, extraordinary significance. No one might take notice of a parent who has devotions with their child for five minutes at the end of the day. The world may not notice the retired couple who spend each morning together with portals of prayer and a cup of coffee. Seemingly insignificant. A small amount of time. But remember the, the mustard seed and rejoice in what you do in Jesus' name. Likewise, even a simple invitation extended to someone to come to church where the gifts of Jesus are given, it won't make the nightly news, but it causes rejoicing and a grand party in heaven. It's like Jesus said in the first half of our reading, the kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows. He doesn't know how. The earth does it all by itself. First the blade, then the ear, then the full grain. But when the grain is ripe, he comes at once to put in the sickle because the harvest has come. It's no big deal what the farmer does, what we do, but boy, what a harvest. Rarely, if ever, will someone esteem us or praise us for living by faith in Christ. Your Sunday paper or evening news will not report this, and it's not their job. But for you and me, who own this glorious mystery as our own, as a gift from God, it is our job. The kingdom of God is like a mustard seed, and don't forget it. Behold it in faith and live in its grace. There is so much more here than meets the eye, because here the precious seed is sown, and God will make it grow. Amen. Now may the peace of our God, which surpasses all of our human understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. Would you please rise as we confess together that ancient creed.